0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S Y L V A N 29.com.
1: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, hello, welcome back, my friends. It is so good to see you all. It is May 8th, 2019, and this. This is the A-Side Live Chat Podcast. I hope all of you out there are having a sensational start to your week. We appreciate you all so much for joining us today. Uh, it has been another crazy week in the MMA world. Before we continue, let me bring in my co-host for this morning. Joining me on today's program, making his A-Side debut, Canada's own. He was just on the ground in Ottawa covering Cowboy versus Iaquinta. Thank you so much for joining the program, Mr. Alexander K. Lee. What is up, Alex? Welcome to the A-Side.
0: Sean, uh, MMA Fighting fans, thank you for having me. Uh let me just say respectfully that at last this show can live up to its name. Now that you have a co-host who truly, you know, can bring that A-side quality discussion to the show. With with all due respect to our oh my God, with all due respect to uh to Mark Bramondi, who's a, a brilliant, talented, dare I say, beautiful man. Uh, you know. I think at his best, at his peak, the two of you together, with you carrying him, maybe the show was a B, a B plus. It got a little closer last week with Chuck. Obviously, Chuck is 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 brilliant. So maybe a B plus, almost a minus. But now, now finally, it is the A side, and uh, I I cannot be more excited to join you and uh, and bring whatever the heck it is that I bring uh, to this program.
1: <laughs> oh my God, Alexander coming out here firing shots at Mark and Chuck. Mark is great. Right.
0: Marcus, great. I'm. I, I. Marcus is brilliant. Of course. I, 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 of course. Awesome. I say all of that was.
1: You, you already committed to the gimmick. You can't <laughs> break it. Now. You can't backpedal. Uh. Well, hey, man. It is good to have you. You did fantastic work last week in Ottawa. Uh. And one quick note before we start. I got to represent for the goat. All elbows. Esther and K. Kay- Esther Lynn and Casey Layden. Thank you so. All right. No, I don't know why I said thank you, but congratulations to you two. Uh, the creative duo, the minds behind MMA fighting, they got married uh, this past Sunday in Albuquerque. looks like an awesome ceremony. They got title belts. It looks super cool. I, I am so happy for you guys. Congratulations to you guys. Got to represent for the goats on the show. My all-elbow shirt, there's only one way to go. Uh, but in the meantime, man, there is so much to discuss on today's show. UFC 237 is ahead of us. And although it may not be the best pay-per-view, there's still plenty to like uh, going down in Rio. Also, Donna Cerrone continued the rise of Dad Cowboy with another monster win over Ally Quinta in Ottawa, plus Tony Ferguson's potential return and a whole lot more. But as we always say, this is your guys' show, so we'll talk about whatever it is you want us to talk about. Uh, you can ask us a question on the MA Fighting page below. Any question that gets three recommendations, those will turn green and get priority, or you can ask us a question on Twitter using the hashtags TheAside or chat Uh Replay this show is going to go up immediately. On all the places you expect—YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, etc.—and like I said last week, that's all that all can be found in on the MMA Fighting feed, where you also find the MMA Hour, the MMA Beat, and the Euro Bash podcast with Patsy Carroll. All of those are fantastic as well. If you have any problems with that, let me know, and I will I will try to help you out as best I can to find what you need. Uh, and with that, man, you ready, Alex? Let's do this. I'm ready. Let's go. All right, we are starting up and first coming from the MMA fighting page is coming from our friend Jay DeLuca and he followed our advice and shortened his question this time around. Uh, How and why BJ Penn fighting this weekend? He writes, Hi Shaheen and Alexander. All MMA media fans and journalists can agree that BJ Penn needs to stop competing within the sport. Yet astonishingly, the UFC continues to book him for fights. The amount of exorbitant brain damage BJ has accumulated over the years, especially since 2010, uh, is incomprehensibly painful to watch. BJ continues to not only lose, but lose in gut-wrenching, disturbing, and cataclysmic fashion. Uh, my goodness, Jay Jada uh, BJ BJ's won one out of his past 10 fights and his deeply troubling past and current issues of domestic violence being recently revealed, yet he is still being permitted to fight on Saturday. What is your take on why the UFC turns a blind eye to BJ's performances, allowing him to continue to compete? Uh, And also his issues going on right now with domestic violence with no suspension uh, from competing. So, wow, Jay DeLuca really not giving us you giving you a softball there to start, Alex. Uh, But BJ Penn is indeed fighting this week in Rio de de Janeiro uh, at UFC 237. He is facing Clay Guida, a fellow veteran. What do you what is it? What do you make of all of this, Alex? Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, thanks for the question, Jay DeLuca.
0: I, I love how this guy writes out his questions. By the way, I know like you guys have to tell him to shorten it, but great, well-worded questions. This one's this one's uh, quite uh, quite layered. So I think the first thing to address is, uh, well, why why does BJ even keep fighting? Um, you know, some have speculated maybe he just needs the money. Though I believe he does come from a somewhat wealthy family in uh, in Hawaii, but you know we don't know their exact financial situation, so it could have something to do with that. Uh, mostly, I think it has to do with uh, athletes. It's hard for them to let go when you're competing at the highest level of the sport. Uh, the example I always think of is is uh, Kobe Bryant is a recent one. Uh, he played probably well uh, past his best before date. Uh, you know, he wasn't wasn't the great player he was in the last few years. But, you know, imagine that high of competing at the highest level. And when it's over, it's over. You know, you don't get to go back. So from BJ's perspective, uh, and maybe I'm romanticizing it too much. I think that's probably why he's not going away. Uh, why does the UFC keep booking him? more questionable uh, definitely more difficult to figure out uh because we've seen in the past that they've at least you know i, I think of the example of chuck liddell i know he's friends with dana white and i have something to do with it that they've been you know kind of suggested that they don't want guys to fight anymore uh, you know and, and and even kind of said like i'm not going to book this person to fights anymore i don't know why they're not doing that with bj he does have a name he's still somewhat of a draw uh, i think when you go to a place like brazil um that there's still value there, and 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 I, I could see why they want him on, but I, I am a little bit put off by that, and and a little curious why they haven't uh, haven't you know just given him a sign that maybe maybe that this is they they don't they shouldn't give him fights anymore. But uh, I think Sean, before I move on to the you know the legal uh, question that was brought up, I I want to hear you know what you have to say about that.
1: No, yeah, you're. You're not wrong, Alex. You're not wrong. And I think this is a conversation that we have after every BJ Penn fight at this point, sort of through that, this sustained comeback uh, really start starting back in 2017 when he fought Yair here in Phoenix. And that was one of the more depressing um, arenas, sights, sounds that I have been around in this sport as Yair just beat the living crap out of him uh, for about five minutes. Uh, and this is, yeah, this is, this is just something we keep revisiting. I think after the Ryan Hall fight, I sort of thought maybe that was the end BJ Penn finally getting submitted for the first time in his career. Maybe that would be it. But then here he is back at it. And I do think it is just one of those things where he, it's, it's BJ's always been an interesting character who I think it is very, very difficult for him to find. I don't want to project, but it feels to me like it's difficult for him to find purpose uh, direction in life without this. And this kind of centers him MMA training camp center him. Uh, and sort of bring him back to what he knows best. And that's difficult, man. That is a difficult thing to escape from. I mean, he is 40 years old now. He turned 40 in December. Uh, it's a rough ride. And I I, I think this this particular one feels a little egregious, though, just because of, like J. DeLuca said, and like you said, what is going on uh, with BJ Penn right now? I mean, he has not won since 2010. He's, I think, won one out of his last 10 fights. But he also does have this really messy... Uh, battle in the core system that's going on right now uh, and, and everything is alleged so you don't want to you know jump too forward with it and, and and proclaim him guilty of something that maybe he is not but it is a messy situation right now and I'm, I'm surprised that that he is on this card and that he is available for media and, and this sort of thing uh, but I guess the UFC is doing making a tone deaf move is not the most surprising thing.
0: Yeah, and this isn't the first time. I think to answer what what Jade Luca specifically asked was what is your take on why they turn a blind eye to uh those performances and also the these uh, recent allegations of domestic violence. Um I think we we've seen with they're just inconsistent with their policy as to how they handle these things because uh you know speaking of something that just happened yesterday, uh, Anthony Johnson, you know that that report came in that he was involved in a domestic incident and in the past he actually had been uh Anthony Johnson was suspended back in two thousand nine for uh, for a previous uh, allegation that came up. Uh, Nick Diaz also got a suspension, or at least and at least a, a comment, a public a public release uh, from uh, not release. I'm sorry, the company released you know a comment about his situation, uh, and they're both to you know, put on provisional suspension until their cases were resolved. They certainly weren't booked to fight like BJ is now. And then there's other situations like this one, and also Abdul Razak Al Hassan, who uh, had some pretty serious uh, allegations against him late last year and they have not commented on that yet. So it's just inconsistent. I think I, I don't know if there's an answer. I, I don't know how they decide who to comment on, who not to, and who to suspend, who not to suspend. So I understand the frustration of the fans and uh I'm as lost as they are on this one.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you hope you just really hope that BJ Penn escapes from this weekend um relatively unhurt. At this point I think that's all we can hope for. The Ryan Hall fight was kind of a best case scenario. In that he lost, but he didn't take much damage. Maybe something like that can happen this weekend, or maybe he surprises us. Who knows? Uh, but let's way to sell the fight, Sean. Way to sell the fight. UFC 237, ESPN Plus. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I think it's safe to say I'm not excited for that one. But uh, we let's move on and let's talk about happier subjects. I always like you starting our show on a bit of a downer, Jada Luca. Just kidding. I love you, buddy. Uh, questions <laughs> coming, but now let's talk about something happy. And for that, we go to Dizzy Dorf, who wants to know about this lightweight division. And he writes, Cowboy picked up a big win last weekend and now sits in the top five once again. Assuming Habib versus Dustin is the next title fight, how do you match up the rest of the top five? Connor, Tony, Cowboy, Justin, who fights who? Uh, And so this can sort of lead us into the conversation about UFC Ottawa, of which you were there, Uh, Alex. I mean, it is pretty wild at this point what... We have seen from Donald Cerrone. Uh, Dad Cerrone is now three and zero. This is the man who, who not long ago was saying, "Child, having a kid won't change me at all," and it has changed him tremendously. It, f- it feels uh, he is thirty six year old years old, and he is making a real, real push here, uh, and one that continued on Saturday. I mean, he picked Ally Aquinto apart from range. He stayed aggressive with that heavy jab uh, and those leg kicks. Also, that fourth round front kick that dropped Al. What a what a fight. Incredible performance from Cowboy. Uh, you were in Ottawa. So I want to start here. What was the sense that you got from him just being on the ground all week? Like, does it feel to you like this is a different man than the one we have seen in past years? Now that he is a father and this feels like very personal to him. You know, it
0: did a little bit. And I feel embarrassed that I, I overlooked it. We did a little preview show, Danny Segura, Jose Youngs and I. And I, at least speaking for myself, I was counting out Dad Cerrone a little bit. You know, I, I was of the of the thought that, oh, Quint is younger and he's on the come up and Cerrone's he's just coming back down to lightweight. He's not going to do anything serious down there except keep putting on fun fights as he always does. And uh, that was a, a terrible, terrible uh, assessment of of the situation. Uh, he he really I, I think I may have mistaken his calm for, you know, uh, I don't know, lack of energy, which isn't which isn't what it was. You know, we know he's a slow starter. And uh, we know he's spoken about how his attitude can always be, can be a little funky before fights. This isn't anything new, and for some reason I was treating it like it was. So there's there's definitely something different about him. His 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 love and passion uh, for being a father is incredible. And <laughs> I made the I made the argument Swanson would win because of father. He lost. I argued <laughs> against Cerrone for some reason. He won. So really, the lesson in all this is: Donald Cerrone is great. Never listen to me
1: when I'm picking fights. <laughs> I'm gonna take out that clip and uh, I'm gonna send that to you on a consistent basis. Now that you have put that out in the world, but uh, um yeah, man, it's 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 wild just even watching because I I wasn't in the on the ground in Ottawa for this one, but you can just sense a a feeling of maybe not maturity, but just this is a I, it feels like a very different Donald Cerrone than I than we are ever used to. I mean, he had particular moments in his career where he would say, you know, I'm in it to, to let's finally do this title run. Let's do this title push. But he never really felt, you never really felt the actual conviction behind him saying that in a way like you really do now, like this feels like his sole focus, his sole goal. And he looked sensational against ally Aquinto, who is really one of the best lightweights in the world and was coming off that big win over Kevin Lee Cowboys, 36 years old. Now uh, he is, has more miles on him than most in this sport. Uh, He has been in wars left and right. He has fought more, more often than anyone in UFC history. Are you surprised that he is still doing this, I guess? Like, does this feel like something special is happening? You know, again, I shouldn't have been surprised because
0: skill for skill, he's really still as good as anyone at 155. And he was as good as a lot of people at 170. You know, he had a nice run there. I know, I think he ended up, you know, going four and four or something or four and three. But there was a stretch there where he was, you know, starching guys in the first round and didn't look didn't look like he had any problems going up from weight. So no, man, I shouldn't be surprised. And I shouldn't be surprised if, I think one of the things, we, another thing we talked about before the show is will he get a title shot? And I guess this relates to our question of, uh, of how do we how do we shake out the rest of the top five and i said i don't see him getting a title shot again in the future and after this performance again probably wrong if the cards fall the right way yeah you could see cerrone um competing in for a title shot what's next man a fight with uh with tony ferguson would be nice eh? if, if tony ferguson has sorted things out I don't know how much that benefits Tony, but we're just talking from an entertainment standpoint. And again, like I said, having to keep guys busy until they figure out what's going on with the with, the, with Habib and Dustin and, the, and uh, the rest of the telepicture. Man, Tony uh, Tony Cowboy, that's kind of a dream match, I think.
1: Well, hey, that's interesting. I'm glad you, you, you segued us into that because that, that's sort of, let's play that shell game with this lightweight division right now because it does feel like there are so many options out there. There's so many possibilities, but it also is, uh, it's a confusing division just because we have two champions and, and they're not going to be able to probably fight for a little bit. Uh, so here's what we have in front of us, right? Because Dana White said yesterday that the Conor, fight, the Conor McGregor fight makes sense for for Donald Cerrone. Uh, that's certainly one that they had tried to do before. They tried to do it before this fight. That was in discussions for a couple of weeks. Nothing ever came of it. Justin Gaethje is also still out there uh, to me I like the idea of Cowboy Connor. I liked it back then. I like it even more now. That feels to me like a fight that could headline a pay-per-view. Uh, I don't know what that means anymore now that these pay-per-views are on ESPN+. Plus, It's basically the same thing. You're just paying for it. Uh, but that feels to me like a fight that it could easily headline a pay-per-view and, and probably do uh, really well with whatever really well means in today's era uh justin gaethje is also out there although i kind of like him versus tony that feels like the most madness you could put in in one cage together just two complete psychopaths uh but what what do you what do you like for him is it is the ferguson fight for you the the cowboy versus ferguson the ferguson fight would be great it would be also nice if he could wait
0: for the for the uh poirier nermegomedov winner but he he said himself uh, in the post fight uh, scrum that he's just like i know i'll get bored you know he's like i know i can't wait if at some point they're going to offer me a fight so knowing that and i think knowing what we all know uh, about cowboy and his desire to stay busy uh, he probably is going to take quite before so yeah i like the idea of a ferguson matchup um uh, maybe him and g you know that that would also be interesting it's you oh, gosh you almost can't go wrong with some of the names we've thrown out there and uh also as you mentioned you know what does it even mean to be to be a pay per view uh, main event anymore so I almost feel like that's not into consideration as far as you know like what they're going to do with Connor. so yeah Connor's a wild card in all this isn't he and I like the Cerrone fight but at the same time I could easily just see him just uh, just I don't know avoiding that fight maybe, maybe not seeing what he has to gain from it even though I think as as you guys have discussed in the show before there's a lot for Connor for kind of gain especially uh, with a win almost like a bounce back fight which some people might not think he needs but I think it would go a long way to restoring. Uh, sort of that faith that his fans uh, once had in him.
1: Yeah, I think he absolutely does need a bounce back fight. I, I, if he goes out there and loses again, at some point, he's he's just a guy that, that people know is losing fights, which is a weird place to, to have arrived with Conor McGregor. But I guess one last thing before we move on. Uh, this is a tough loss for Ally Quinta Ray Janelle was on a really nice run. Uh, it felt like he was coming into his own in this lightweight division. It's a tough one for him. He, he maybe takes a step back, but I guess any parting thoughts on Ray Janelle and, and maybe where he goes from here. I like uh, several people, I think thought this was going to be the step up fight for
0: Ray Janelle. You know, uh, I mean, the win over Kevin Lee was great. I, I thought already that, that elevated him to uh you know, top five position. And then the Cerrone fight I thought was going to be sort of the, that proof that look uh, uh, Kevin, Kevin Lee is really good. Kevin Lee and I are both really good. I'm, you know, I'm the better of those two. We are both top five fighters. Uh, Cerrone, Cerrone is a top five fighter of the past. I'm speaking for, you know, what I thought a, a Al Wynn would do. Uh, and, and I'm going to show that by getting a definitive win, you know, whether by knockout or, or, or decision. Uh, but, you know, it didn't go his way. And I think, like you said, it's going to make a lot of people sort of reevaluate where is he as a contender, you know. Um, will, he, will he ever get a title shot again after the, the short notice chance he got last April? Uh, that, seems, that seems in doubt. It's, it's very hard to climb that lightweight ladder. And when you're losing to a veteran uh, like Cerrone, who I, I would think at this point in his career i quinta should be should you know should, was reasonably favored against and should beat it, it's hard to see where he's gonna go but you know lightweight is is fairly unpredictable uh al is a great al is a great fighter um but yeah this raises a lot of questions um as for his actual uh role as a contender
1: i, li- I like the idea of him versus barboza that feels to me like a nice bounce back fight for both those guys. They're both coming off the tough, tough losses still ranked in that, in that sort of top seven mix. Uh, That to me feels like a good one.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Again, you can't go wrong with, so we said you can't go wrong with matchups in the top five. You might not be able to go wrong with matchups in the top 15. So uh, a good question uh, that was asked. And uh, really, you know, I can just say (laughs) UFC matchmakers do the right thing here and, and just book these guys. Let's, 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 not waffle too much on what's next and let's just get these guys in the cage, mix them up and uh, really you can't lose.
1: Yeah. Well, Hey, let's keep it moving. Let's look ahead uh, to maybe this weekend and beyond. And this one's coming from Matt, the Donk, who wants to know about UFC pay-per-view buys in the toilet now and for the near term. Does it matter? Uh, He writes UFC 236 reportedly did less than 100 K buys. I don't know if it's less, but I think it's around that number is what I'm hearing as well. So I don't know if it's less, but it's definitely just in that range, which is not good. Um, he writes, I'm guessing partly because of issues with the ESPN plus platform, but also because there wasn't a real title fight on the card. Do you think UFC 237 will do any better? It seems like an awesome fight night Brazil card, but not necessarily a pay-per-view that's guaranteed to crack the 100 K number in the U S UFC 238 might do better, but still, I seriously doubt a Cejudo Moraes led card does better than 200 K. What does it mean for the sport in the UFC that they could have three straight lukewarm pay-per-views? Do bad pay-per-view numbers signal less signal less interest in the sport overall, or is it something else? Uh, and so this is an interesting question, and this is sort of maybe the first example we have gotten of actual data that we can use to discuss these paper this new pay-per-view agreement between the UFC and ESPN. Uh, because up until now it was more or less just um, projection. I, I trying to figure out what maybe this would look like. Now we have some sense with this first one coming back uh 100k is a low no low low number for a ufc pay-per-view uh before this deal if a a pay-per-view got 100k that would be a disaster uh that is no longer at least financially a disaster for the ufc because they are getting mad they're getting big money for each one of these pay-per-views that they are doing on espn plus but this is sort of what we kind of expected right like we talked about it a lot that you're putting a paywall in front of a paywall to get people. Now this bit a second barrier to entry to get these pay-per-views sold. Uh, people are, are a creature of habits, especially sports fans. They have been trained for decades at this point to order that pay-per-view off of Directv or wherever else they can on their cable or on their cable box. And now you're changing that up on them. And I don't know what percentage of MMA fans are hardcore fans, right? How many people are checking Twitter? How many people are checking MMA fighting Uh, whoever, whatever they you know, you would get that kind of news. So, I I feel like that probably was new for a lot of people. Uh, Alex, we now have another, our second pay per view in front of us, uh, of this new era, uh, UFC 237. And it's not, you know, it's not the best pay per view, let's be honest. Uh, so, what do you, I guess, what do you make of, of sort of what we've seen so far? And, and, you know, just to answer this question. What is this signal? I mean, does this mean anything to, for the for the sport in the UFC if this could be the second of maybe three pay-per-views in a row? That would be pretty low-numbered to start this era. Uh, yeah, but first of all, what a shame
0: uh, if that's the case, if those viewership numbers are indicative of the actual interest because, you know, we got two amazing fights on that card, right? And I know people were talking about it after. Now I'm wondering how many people may have viewed it through uh, nefarious means, so to speak. Uh, not that I'm aware of such things. You know, people tell me about it. I don't dabble in that, but... <laughs> This is just what I hear on the streets, Sean, you know, so keep your ear uh, to the streets at all time. Again. I mean, I'm from the streets. I think as people can tell by the way I look and the way I talk, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I keep my ear there still. Um, it, it, it's definitely worse. Awesome. you know, bless the, uh, the UFC marketing team and social media team and the fighters who they tried, uh, to do what they could on Twitter. They had the fighters. I, th- I think they had a few fighters recording videos like, Oh, here's how to watch ESPN Plus, And they retweeted them. And, but again, that, that reach, uh, one, it only goes so far, and it also feels like it reaches a specific audience. Like you said, there's people that are just used to traditional cable still and ordering through cable. Even, even I think people who cut the cord, I think some of them still have access to I don't know, have pay or a way of ordering pay per view besides through this ESPN Plus platform. It was really confusing. If I'm if I'm just go, by going through um, some of the comments that I saw again on social media and you know on our own website about how to order and, and uh, you know it's it, it was a, it was a big change. So. I don't know if the company should be concerned. This is something that, you know, you would hope it, it'll they'll figure it out and you'll get kind of get the audience back that you had before. That audience of regular pay per view buyers, however big that is now. Uh, but for sure, it, it was worrisome for such an entertaining card. And even this one, which I know we're saying it's not the most stacked card, but it has a big name on it, like Anderson Silva, Josie Aldo, a nice title fight at the top. Uh, I, I, I think I agree with most people who are thinking it might not do much better than the last one. Do I think it's cause for them to panic? Should that be the case? Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold back on saying that for now.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know that it's time to panic yet, but I think the time I think we will figure that out by the summer. And I, I point I, I I eyeball UFC two thirty thirty nine as sort of the test subject for it because I think thirty seven this weekend thirty seven probably you know like we said not the best card. I don't know that that's gonna do the best numbers thirty eight. It's a good card, but it's more of a hardcore fans card. So I think, again, you can kind of excuse it away uh, if it doesn't do the best numbers. But 39 is a stacked card up and down. You got John Jones, you got Amanda Nunes, Holly Holm, Francis Ngannou. You got Luke Rockhold, like Sean O'Malley. You just have a lot of guys, Ben Askren, Jorge Masvidal. You have a lot of people who are real legitimate players in this space uh, that people very much care about. And by that point, that'll be the fourth pay-per-view that, that's on this new deal. By then, people will have figured out or not whether or not they they will have figured out the process and how to do this or they will have just, you know, jump ship and said, you know, I'm just not going to I'm just not going to stick with this. That to me feels like the pivotal one to, to sort of eyeball down the road that if that does a low number as well, we might be talking about maybe a new uh ceiling i guess on where how how lucrative and how big pay-per-views can really get and maybe uh, how how much this industry is going to change because of this deal Uh, i think you can really excuse it away for the next three but in july that's going to be a big one
0: yeah i think i agree i I think what i want to what we need to think is not how much will it do but uh, how much does it have to do in this new era for it to be considered a success because the days of e- even if you did you know uh, uh i don't know Brock Lesnar versus John Jones or or i don't know uh, Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather in a you know in octagon or something i don't know if through the espn plus platform you can even get a million uh, you know pay per view buys the equivalent or the equivalent of a million pay per view buys so we're going to have to gauge things differently from now on that that's i think that's almost for sure like if the a 239 as you mentioned does 500,000 I would think that's a very strong number. I know it's a loaded card and people would think, if, you know, if this was a
1: pay-per-view, strictly pay-per-view, that would look
0: really bad. But, but yeah,
1: that's an incredible yeah. number, actually, because you have to okay. think, right? Like how, how many people, how many subscribers does ESPN Plus have? I, right. I don't know the actual number, but say they have a million. If 500,000 buy it, that's literally half of your subscribers. Like that is sure. that would be a ridiculous number at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah. so... That, that that's really what I'm asking you and asking people. I'd I'd say fans in general and 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 people who uh who keep track of these numbers is, well, like you said, I think after two thirty seven, two thirty eight, we'll get an idea of just how many people uh how many subscribers are also ordering pay per views, and then based off of that, we're gonna, we're gonna have to say is five hundred thousand a massive success? It sounds like it would be. But we don't, you know, again, we'll have to get a better grasp of the uh, subscriber base and, and how many of them are, are even interested in the UFC. Um, but yeah, 239, that's like you said, you know, hover that finger over the panic button, I would say, uh, uh, MMA fans who care about um, how the how the UFC's buys do, because that will be a big test. I, I, I imagine it'll do quite well. And uh, regardless, the UFC is making a ton of money out of this ESPN deal. But uh, what it means for for ESPN, the ESPN side of things, uh, I'm not sure
1: not even just the ESPN side of things, but also just the, the, the fighter side of things, right? Because we just talked about Conor McGregor in this last segment, and how does Conor McGregor make his money? He makes his money on pay-per-view. He makes almost almost all of his money on pay-per-view. The base pay is always a very small percentage of what he makes. And we have already seen this now once where with Brock Lesnar, he's, he was in negotiations with the UFC for so long about coming back, and it's starting to leak out now that maybe this deal this ESPN deal played a part in him not coming back to fight Daniel Cormier because he wanted a higher base purse uh, than the UFC was willing to give him because of, to offset really that lack of pay-per-view money that he was probably going to make. Conor McGregor is in the exact same situation, so it will be fascinating to see, A, whether the UFC and him can come together, come together on some kind of deal that includes uh, uh, different caveats than, than maybe they're used to. Also, though, if, if they do, it'll be fascinating to see, that numbers report, once it comes out of what that base pay would be for someone who is the superstar, who is the Connor, the Brocks, the John Jones, whoever, who can actually attract people to, to, to their fights and to buy their fights, what that new base purse will have to be to offset all of this other la- lack of income. It, it should be fascinating to see. Yeah. And just one more thing to add to that.
0: I, I, it's interesting to me uh, how fans kind of view this so far, the early going, because some of them are happy that guys like Brock Lesnar, part-timers, and, you know, someone like a Conor McGregor, who has not exactly been the most committed uh, to MMA fighting over the last uh, last couple of years, uh, like how they, it, they're they kind of liking that, okay, well, these guys are good. They're losing their leverage, and, and, and we're glad the UFC is taking a stand and that they're able to take a stand now because of this new deal. And on the other but I would say to that, uh, you know, well, if you think those guys are losing leverage, just imagine how much guys who are already underpaid and guys who you probably like, how much leverage they've lost in this new deal, and, and it's a bit of a mess. So I, th- I could see fan sentiment kind of going both ways. I, I I I don't think, if I'm speaking for myself, that this deal has been uh, great for the sport and uh, that it necessarily will be great for the sport in the future, but maybe that's just me being uh, being pessimistic for once, so
1: yeah I'm, I'm i'm gonna go full Vermont on you right now and say the Do fans who are, who are celebrating the fighters losing leverage f those fans i don't even want oh, you okay. guys in this sport no. at that point if you're if you're celebrating fighters losing leverage and income get out of here with that come on man
0: Let's well I, I, again i think it's specifically those two but you're right it's it's it they might be talking about those two but it obviously expands well beyond those two uh like brock lesnar and connor so uh i I mean, F those fans, indeed. Sean.
1: Oh, I got I'm pulling the darkness out of quoting Africa. you, quoting you. <laughs> All right, well, I hey, don't. let's let's move on. Uh, before you say something you regret, uh, and we're going to go to FA01, who wants to talk about Yoel versus Paulo. Uh, he writes, Is this fight the middleweight equivalent of Tony versus Habib? Kind of is. Uh, what have we done to anger the MMA gods <laughs> with it being booked again? This time for UFC 241. Uh, is it something that the UFC wants, the fans want, and apparently the fighters want themselves? Or it is something, I'm sorry, that they all want. Uh, my questions are, which falls out more, Yoel versus Costa or Tony versus Habib? Also, which fight actually happens first? Uh, so this is a, this is an interesting way to start this conversation. Um, I don't know the exact number. Maybe you know better than me. To me, this feels like maybe the fourth time this fight has been booked or at least discussed as being booked. Uh, which is very is coming close to matching Tony Habib already. <laughs> Although I think those got longer false starts before we didn't get them and were disappointed, uh, sometimes even the day before the fight. Uh, but hey, man, it is back on. It is back on for UFC 241, which already has Daniel Cormier versus Steve Miocic on it as well. So that is looking like a, a pretty interesting card already just with those two fights. Thoughts on the rebooking of a matchup between probably two of the most muscular-looking men in the entire sport? <laughs>
0: Yes, I think our own uh, Guillerme Cruz did say that this this will now be the fifth. This will be the fifth, or maybe this is the fourth. But it, yeah, we're definitely in fourth or fifth range, which is where Tony and uh, Habib's ill-fated matchup uh, also resides. Um, now, is it the equivalent of that? I mean, as far as I guess name value and how many times it's missed for various reasons, yeah. But I also would not. I don't know if I would put. Um, I mean, Romero, I would, but I don't know if 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 Bohacina is you know on the level of. Of Tony or Habib in the middleweight division, so in that sense, as far as like, oh, wanting to see possibly like the one and two best in their division in the world, which I think is what Tony and Habib is, it's not quite on that level. As far as how cursed it is, yeah, it's up there, and uh, and as far as it being an intriguing mashup, especially just based on their ridiculous physiques, uh, it does feel like we're, we're we're missing out. But like you said, it's booked, and let's hope for the best. Uh, and I, I I do think, I do think it'll happen before we ever get. Uh, Tony and Habib.
1: Yeah, I I agree with the the little last thing you said there. I think this time it will actually happen. Uh, It feels like in the past, uh, there were a lot of reasons why this fight didn't happen. I think the first few times it was just the UFC saying that the fight was booked when it wasn't. And we we even knew that at the time and spoke about it. Uh, And then, you know, there's various other things that came up over the course of of the book, trying to book this fight, whether it was Yoel being on the reality show or or wherever it was. Uh, But this time it really feels like all of the stars have aligned and it where I actually get this fight, and this is a really fascinating fight that I think is going to tell us a lot uh, about both men, uh, in, in particular about Paulo Costa, but also with Yoel Romero, about how, how much more he has left to give us in this, in, in this middleweight division. Uh, he has struggled to make this weight. He is over 40 years old. He somehow is the ageless man. He is incredible uh, that he is still doing this at his age. Uh, and, and he, to me, still feels like, the number two in this middleweight division. I know Izzy has the belt right now, but if Izzy versus Yoel was booked right now, I think Yoel would probably be the favorite. So he's it's it'll be fascinating to see whether Yoel uh still has one more good run left in him. Uh that being said, I do like the the dynamic, the early dynamic between these two. They are already firing shots and, and Yoel even posting the video of Palo Costa getting it IV uh that led to his suspension. Uh, it feels like this is probably going to be a fun one. Yeah. I like, uh, I
0: I don't know if I want to say I like that, but it certainly wasn't, uh, wasn't beyond the pale given that, uh, I, I, I I'm told that that was, you know, that's an old video. People are aware that, that, costa did get in trouble he got that six-month suspension that i mean i guess we didn't know it was happening as it was happening but he did get a six-month suspension from uh the new york state athletic commission for the ibu so it was kind of a fun little jab you know costa costa kind of saying look man i don't you know i don't do anything i don't do anything that i'm not supposed to do and romero just kind of like a wink wink he's got he's got that underrated sneaky twitter game you know that that romero so it is it's it's you know it's it it was mostly harmless i think
1: he loves those hashtags uh last thing before we move on what's your early read on this fight oh gosh what did we just say about me picking fights
0: sean why 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 are we doing this
1: well that's why i want to let the people know where you're going so they can (laughs) bet on the
0: opposite side and make some money i i don't think i don't think bohachinha is quite ready for romero yet if romero can can make the weight comfortably uh, you know i just say comfortably if he makes the weight i i'm going romero
1: Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm agreeing with you, but Hey, we could, who knows the the bottom could fall out at any moment for some of these guys who are getting up to that age. So maybe this is it. Uh, This next one's coming from philosophical perspective on the MMA fighting page. And he wants to know about Jordan and Ben. Hey guys. uh, I hope you all have a nice day. I love the, the, the pleasantries to start that Uh, I am a big time fan of funky Ben Askren, but he really was taken to school by Jordan Burroughs as expected. Uh, Jordan B is arguably one of the best wrestlers ever and might even be the best. Such an athlete, how do you think he would do in MMA with like two, one to two years of training? How far could he go in a shorter time? Uh, With a number of years, he would probably be elite if he can handle the strikes. We've seen the top wrestlers dominate in MMA as good as Jordan or as Jordan as as Jordan is as good as it gets. That one got a little complicated. Uh, it would be so interesting to see him try MMA. Cheers. Uh, yes, this is. A, I love this question. So you know, Ben Askren and Jordan Burroughs earlier this week were at Beat the Streets in New York City. Uh, it was it was a very cool event to see wrestling on this elevated platform, big crowd. Uh, it, it was cool to see wrestling in sort of a big stage like that, and I think that was sort of what everybody was talking about afterwards. Ben Askren and Jordan, just that. Yeah, this was probably going to be a squash match, but it was cool to get people paying attention just for a second to, to wrestling. Uh, Jordan Burroughs ends up sweeping Ben Askren. He doesn't score a point, 11 to 0. Uh really dominates Ben, but I don't know that that was a surprise to anybody who really follows Jordan Burroughs. Uh, and man, he is a physical specimen. He is an absolute monster. How do you think he would do in MMA? Well, again, the way the question is posed, one to two years of
0: training, he'd do fine. You know, especially if... if... They brought him along properly, you know. Bellator does a great job of bringing along uh, a lot of these former Division One wrestling stars. I, I think that would be the home for him, you know. Uh, if we're just getting ahead in the question a little bit, but yeah, he'd do fine. He's 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 a great, an incredible athlete. I think he would probably compete in MMA at a one forty five. Ideally, he might have cut a bit of weight for that. I think he's a five foot eight, something like
1: that. Um, but he's five foot eight, and he wrestles at around one sixty five.
0: And you know we don't encourage extreme weight cutting around here, but should should he become super serious about this, I, I wonder if his coaches would recommend that featherweight is ideal. Uh, yeah, I one think, to I two think years- he'd probably be a lightweight. Yeah, yeah one to two. He's already, years- cutting, he's already cutting to get to sixty five. Okay, true. Uh, one two years of training he'd be fine a, a lot if we're just talking about physical skills the, the guy would have everything he needs and again he'd, he i'm sure he'd get he'd get together with a top camp he could really pick almost any camp he wanted i would imagine uh the question is always the mental you know some people just don't like to get punched in the face you know i call those people normal people you know not MMA <laughs> fighters um and and some people just don't like it uh, and uh, you know i wouldn't blame him if, if he did like a, an amateur fight took an amateur fight or whatever just even in sparring you know did six months of hard sparring and said you know what not for me. I don't even want to try it. Um, I know he said he, I think recently he said he wanted to do it once or, or someone's maybe speaking for him. But I, because I remember as far back as, uh, I think when he won the gold medal back in like 2012, I don't think he had any interest in MMA back then. Um, I, I, someone correct me if I'm wrong, of course, but I don't think he had any interest then. Obviously things are different now. It's it's quite a bit later. He's probably, um, now that he's done everything he can do in wrestling, he might be looking for new challenges. So yeah, physically, he'd do fine. I mean, you, we're talking about a guy who he could become a, legitimate contender um if he, if he stuck to it but mentally complete wild card no idea might not even want to do it
1: yeah i mean he's he's an interesting case because he's sort of gone back and forth on mma quite a bit over the last you know four or five years He he's often talked about what it would be like if he did do it uh it feels like he just always wanted to, to sort of establish his legacy in wrestling first but man he is like i said a physical specimen i, I mean he is absurdly uh a talented wrestler certainly athletic his his length his arms are are crazy long for his size too which would help him tremendously in this sport uh he would be a fascinating case to watch because he's still only 30 years old He is charismatic uh if he if he his that blast double that he had we saw it (laughs) when he picked up ben and basically just threw him off stage uh that blast double would do really really well in a a ufc octagon where you can use the fence and really use the fence to get takedowns uh i i hope we get a chance to see it i don't know if we will because he is does seem to be one of the few wrestlers who can really make a living just wrestling uh but it would be it would be awesome to see him come into this sport because i think he could be a monster very very quickly we have seen it i mean guys like henry Zahudo, even aaron pico who yes he's young and he struggled but he, Aaron Pico is the same type of just uber prospect when it came to wrestling. And it's, we've seen how quickly guys can make a transition into MMA if they have that base. That is probably the strongest base for the sport.
0: Yeah, and for anyone who didn't get a chance to see highlights or watch the watch the match itself between Jordan and Ben, make sure to check out Chuck Mendenhall's recap on our site where he, he describes it in exquisite detail uh, just to have some idea of, of how dominating uh, Jordan was in the matchup,
1: apparently. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a fun matchup, man. And I, I like the way Ben handled it afterward of just being like, well, you know, I had to go take my ass whooping. <laughs> he knew what was coming. We all kind of figured what was coming, but that was very cool to see. And it was, like I said, it was good to see wrestling get a big spot. Uh, that doesn't happen often. Moving on, though. Next one's coming from philosophical perspective, and this is also from the MMA Fighting page. He wants to know about Bellator versus the UFC. Hey, guys. In my opinion, Bellator has a very strong main card this weekend why is not why is not the main okay that he skip past that why is the main event not promoted more or better that's what he meant uh it has a storyline of beef and two of bellator's best fighters in it i believe it is the best fight of the weekend together with jose aldo versus alexander volkanovsky uh and so this question he is obviously referring to michael chandler versus patricio pitbull uh which will be going down this weekend at bellator alex what do you feel? What, what are your feelings on this Bellator card? Also this fight that maybe isn't getting the love that it should.
0: Well, firstly, when I saw the best fight of the weekend together with uh, Jose versus Alex, I was like uh, me and Jose Young's like, I didn't know we were going to go at it. Like, I know we don't like each other, but we're not, I didn't think we were going to settle up with fisticuffs anytime soon. Um, then I, you know, thought about it for a second. and realized they're talking about people who actually, you know, matter in combat sports. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, it's a weird question, though, because he's saying, why is it not promoted more slash better? Uh, promoted by who? Does he mean where, like, the media is not covering enough or fans aren't talking about it? Does he feel Bellator hasn't done a good enough job? Um, so, yeah, I'm a little curious about, like, what do you think he means by that question? Do you think, uh, I thought Bellator was doing a pretty good job, um, but clearly at least one person and maybe, you know, maybe Many more don't think that's the case. So, uh, yeah, what do you think about that, Sean, their, their promotion uh, the, from Bellator itself?
1: I mean, I will say I think it's flying under the radar a little bit. And I wonder why that is, because it is one of Bellator's better cards that they're putting on this year. I mean, you got Chandler Pitbull, uh, and then the co-main is, is Douglas Lima versus Michael Page, which is the semifinal of the Welterweight Grand Prix. And that's a big one. <laughs> that's a big, big fight. Plus Jake Hager on it uh, and A.J. McKee versus Pat, Car- Pat Curran. There's a lot to like on that Bellator card, and I think you could very well make the case that that main card is better than UFC 237. So that to me, I do understand a little bit where he's coming from when it comes to the lack of promotion for it. Uh, but I, I do wonder, too, what how much Bellator can really do, right? Because we are so inundated at this point where with there's so much content, there's so much there's so many fights there's so many events every week it's something new last weekend we had last week we had five different events going on now this week we have another three or four or five uh it seems hard to drum up interest for anything that is a b level fight or below if you unless you have a, you know this AAA plus type of, of main event that people are going to get excited for i
0: will say given that this is a champ champ you know it's whatever super fight matchup it feels uh, like it got a lot less of a push than rory and with um again i don't know yeah i don't i don't know i don't know maybe i'm just uh, not paying attention to the right uh you know things on social media or the right outlets so, but but i'm nearly sure they definitely tried to push that harder maybe because that fight um i don't know was a blowout they're hesitant to push it again but really given chandler's been with the promotion for so long pitbull's been with the promotion for so long you think if they were going to have faith that you know okay like this time we really want to push what we think is going to be a competitive main event that this would be the one. So it, it is a bit of a mystery. Uh, and it was, yes, like you mentioned, Michael page, who they pushed for so long. And now I wonder how many people even know he's fighting this weekend. Uh, AJ McKee, Jake Hager, uh, even on the main card, Taiwan Claxon's another guy. I know they want to push. So um, yeah, I think the card has been underserved a little bit on the promotional side of things. Um, and uh, again, I, I, it probably is just a product of oversaturation. As you said, uh, whether it's Bellator UFC one Ryzen all the cars that are out there and, and trying to get a piece of that promotional pie. There's just, there's only so
1: many bites to go around. When you look at, at the five fights on each of the main cards, which one do you like more? Which you feel is the better card? You
0: know, that's tough because I think for me, you know, and I think for a lot of fans, Jose Aldo and Anderson Silva, no matter who they're fighting, even if you think they're both, you know, well past their prime, uh, Anderson Silva certainly is farther than Jose Aldo. Um, they're still must see TV, you know. They still got that name value. I think it, it's hard for me to say that a, a really intriguing featherweight matchup between AJ McKee and Pat Curran is better than a intriguing featherweight matchup between Jose Aldo and Alexander Volkanovski. So I, I would still, uh, you know, my apologies to my Beltor hats. I love Bellator. I'd still give the edge to two thirty seven. The difference being, of course, one is a one is a you know pay per view, ESPN Plus pay per view. One is uh is on the zone. Oh. <laughs> So they're both, it's funny. They are both on streaming services, but yeah, I guess I would give the edge to
1: 237. That's really the only way that you can pronounce the zone. Yeah. You got to put that it. Tank on it. Yeah. That feels right. Uh, I, I think I would agree with you. I would lean towards 237 t- a little bit, but Bellator is close, man. This is, this is a fun weekend for MMA fans.
0: Something here for everyone, you know. So I, I should have said at the beginning when I was uh, complimenting, when I was very politely complimenting our departed Mark Romani, that I want people. If, if I'm on the show again, if this isn't the last time I'm on the show, I want people to know that my 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 mission statement of MMA is MMA is supposed to be fun. You know, I know we're as responsible as anyone for reporting a lot of negativity, but MMA is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy fights. You're supposed to enjoy matchups. You you could you should get a charge out of you know former WWE superstar Jake Hager uh, pummeling some guy named TJ Jones this weekend. I, I I know it's a squash match, but you know this stuff is supposed to be fun. And and so if you tell me that you you think that's more interesting than what is the fourth most uh, than, than you know Clay Guida versus BJ Penn. Have at it. I, I won't argue with you, sir. You know, you, sir, whoever it is that is saying this hypothetical person that's saying that. I won't argue with you. So MMA supposed to be fun, and yeah, the the Bellator card looks real good. Uh, and if yeah, if you have the zone and not ESPN Plus,
1: hey, don't you know? I don't think you're missing out. I think you're still going to a pretty good show on Saturday. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's keep it moving. And I want this next question is about what I believe to be the best fight of the weekend. Uh, now that we're comparing the two, so this is coming from Combat Chief, and he writes, "What does it take?" for Aldo to get another title shot. Uh, He has had two spectacular finishes. He talking about Jose since losing to Max Holloway and has stated that he will retire at the end of the year. I predict that Aldo will be Alexander Volkanovsky. So where would that put him? So Alex, this is a big, big fight for both men. Jose Aldo uh, trying to keep this run alive against Alexander Volkanovsky, who has looked untouchable in the UFC. He's coming off that huge win over Chad Mendez. Uh, and I am on record saying I love what Jose Aldo is doing here in this featherweight division right now and what may be his last year in the sport. He is just saying, F this, I'm going to clear out this whole division. Uh, other than the champion, I'm just going to clear out all these contenders. And I love it. He, he People wrote him off so hard uh, after the two Max Holloway fights, and he has come back with a vengeance and been a murderer. Uh, and this fight between him and Alexander Volkanovsky really feels to me like there is so much at stake for both men, uh, so let me let me throw this to you. What is your what is your read, I guess, on Jose Aldo Alexander Volkanovsky, this whole fight heading into this weekend and what it will mean for both of them?
0: For Volkanovsky, immediately makes you the number one contender, especially if he gets a finish. If, if he finds a way to finish Jose Aldo, who's you know who's so durable uh, even at this stage in his career, you got to give him that title shot. I, I know. I know it's it's weird. Uh, he's still seems overlooked. I feel like people don't know who Alexander Volkanovski is. And we were talking about marketing earlier. I think that has a lot to do with with the UFC not pushing this guy. I, I'm not sure. I don't know where are the Where are the videos? Where are the you know where's the 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 features on this guy? Uh, he needs. He's unbeaten in the UFC. The guy's on on a heck of a run, and he's an exciting fighter. It's not like he's he's a boring point fighter. This guy is super super exciting. So. Big question mark there as to what what's what's going on with their push of him. As for Aldo, uh, no beating Volkanovski only you know what it does it makes him the number one contender. But he already is the number one contender. He's he's he is the number one contender until someone else besides Max Holloway or Conor McGregor uh, definitively beats him. And the only way he gets another title shot anytime soon is if Max loses the belts or they need some sort of, um, you know, replacement main event uh, because Max can't defend, something like that. So sorry, sorry, Aldo fans. I love Aldo. I think top, maybe top five pound for pound all time. He's not getting another title shot as long as Max Holloway has the belt.
1: Yeah, you're not wrong. And I say this is a guy who has a Jose Aldo picture right behind me. Uh, And so in a weird way, it almost feels like the person who has the most to gain or lose in this fight is a person who isn't even fighting this weekend. And that's Frankie Edgar. Because to me, if Jose Aldo can win, on Saturday and beat Alexander Volkanovsky, be the first person in the UFC to beat Alexander Volkanovsky. Frankie Yeager's the guy. He would be then the guy you would throw against Max Holloway as that next title challenger at 145. But I agree with you, man. If Alexander Volkanovsky can come in here and, and, and dethrone a legend, like Jose Aldo, a legend who is coming off these back-to-back knockouts of Jeremy Stevens and Hanato Moicano and has looked sensational, uh, he's the guy then. you're He is 7-0 and at that point untouched in the ufc coming off of chad mendez and jose aldo wins like he absolutely 100 has to be the guy at that point uh and either way i am excited for for whatever we're gonna see because i love this version of jose aldo and i think uh i think it's cool to see that he is still he still wants it he still wants this title he still feels like he has it left in his some some gas left in the tank uh where, where are you leaning with this fight when we're coming into this weekend
0: uh, yeah, and I should add, the, the other way he can get a title shot is move up to lightweight.
1: I don't think that's true. <laughs> oh, really? No, I, I, I don't think that's true. I think it's probably too late in the game for him at this point. If oh. he may, maybe had another year or two that he wanted to commit to it, I think he could do it. But that division is so backed up at this point, we're not even going to figure out this title versus title situation until probably the end of the year. Uh, and then you already have Tony Ferguson behind it, waiting in the wings and also maybe Justin Gaethje to some degree, Cowboy Cerrone conor mcgregor maybe so i i think it would be impossible for jose to work his way into that mix with any sort of speed fair point fair point so what's your read on on aldo versus volkanovsky this weekend oh who's gonna win and uh, just the matchup itself what do you what do you like about it and what, yeah where were you
0: oh, well i mean i i agree i think with uh Remember when it was initially booked? I think the first thing a lot of people thought was, for one thing, you know, when Volkanovski beat Mendez, people were joking how similar they were body type wise, kind of the way that they strike. There's some some similar similarities there. Volkanovski uh, also a good wrestler, so people are kind of saying, well, you know, Aldo has fought Mendez twice. This is almost like fighting Mendez a third time, though. You know, a more uh, back in his prime, maybe uh, arguably a better striker. Again, I'm not sure how people want to want to judge that. Uh, so. Since he knows the formula for being a Mendez type fighter, isn't this an easy isn't this a somewhat favorable matchup for him? And I kind of lean in that direction as well. I do think volkanovsky is better than Mendez. Is he better than Mendez was when, you know, the two times we fought Aldo? Ah, hard to say. I think Mendez is actually a really good fighter. Um, I don't know if he always gets the credit he deserves. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna say it's gonna be a great striking matchup. Duh. And uh, I
1: think, I think Aldo's going to pull it out. Oh, you picking the old dog? Mm. I think I'm. I think I agree with you. But I think maybe that's my heart talking. Uh, I, I would not be surprised whatsoever if Volkanovsky pulls it through. But it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, in the meantime, let's keep it going, man. Uh, and this one's coming from Milo of Croton, uh, who wants to know about DC and Stipe. Hi, Sean and Alex. Uh, I wasn't totally sold on Lesnar DC, but I was more into it than a Stipe rematch, he writes. Uh, It's even more disappointing that Stipe just sat out all this time. Uh, Why did the UFC give Stipe a rematch instead of a fresh matchup with DC uh, or a fresh matchup for DC, I should say? Uh, If DC beats Stipe again, then does Stipe lose even more in the long run? Even if he goes on to win the belt again, he will always be known for his losses to DC, surely. Thanks, fellas. Uh, and so we talked about this quite a bit last week, so so I guess I won't rehash too much of my own thoughts. Uh, but I am curious for your thoughts, Alexander, because we were not uh, Al- Alexander, Alexander. Yeah, I don't know why Volkanovsky is throwing me off now. But I am curious for your thoughts, Alexander, because we, you were not on this program. Uh, DC, Stipe, Lesnar, this whole thing seems like a bit of a mess, but where we have ended up is that DC and Stipe will rematch once again. Uh, do you like that call? I'm on record saying I don't like that call. I think Francis and Gano should have gotten it. Do you like that call?
0: Yeah, you know, last week when you guys were chatting on the the solid B plus side. Uh, oh, geez, I, I did. Josh. I did hear that discussion, and I'll say, you know, it's it's hard for me to say whether I agree or not. But I will say, I, I, I hope I hope the kids out there learn a lesson from all this. This is for the this is for the for all your children out there who are watching who are watching the A side. The I, the A side is for the children. It's for the children. That's what I thought. You know, I think Stipe showed if you just wait around and don't do anything, and every now and then do an interview. Uh, and and we always thank Stipe for doing interviews. And you just you know keep keep your keep your name out there. Wait for the uh, the S storm to uh, again. This is for the children to settle. And uh, you know I, I'm being flippant, but obviously have the accolades that this guy has under his his belt i mean he is arguably one of the greatest not arguably he is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time and i'm sure some would say uh maybe the greatest based on his amount of title defenses uh but yeah look he played the game he played the game stipe is is a hard-working guy you know he's a firefighter we all know his story but that you know that doesn't mean the man is not smart you know I, i i'm of the side that i thought this guy needs to fight again he's being a fool well guess what he didn't need to fight again he got the title shot he's been asking for. So, really, who are the fools in this situation?
1: I mean, he kind of lucked into it, right? Because I don't know what knew this ESPN deal was going to come, and that's really what seems to have sunk the Brock Lesnar negotiations. So he, that, that worked out in his favor. I don't know that he could have seen that coming. But uh, it does feel, to answer the question of Milo Proton here, I mean, it does feel like Stipe, there's a lot on the line here for Stipe. Because mm-hmm. if he does lose two in a row for DC, and then even you know after that, goes on to win the belt again, as this gentleman suggested that's a hard shadow to escape from at that point you're dc doing your thing at light heavyweight right you're the guy who lost to john jones twice and yeah maybe you're the champion now but you're not the real champ i don't know that that stipe could really escape that shadow do you it's certainly something that people bring up as you mentioned like with the john jones
0: uh the john jones dc situation and dc had to do i mean think about how much work dc had to do to even have people, you know, consider that maybe he doesn't need to be John Jones. Cause I'm sure there's some people who will say, well, he's done so much. He has his own legacy. The John Jones stuff is there, but it doesn't, you know, it can be a a, a note and not a shadow over his career. He had to change you know? divisions to get to basically achieve yeah, pretty much, which uh, Steve I, I don't think he'll have that option. Now, if he again, you know, wins the belt, rattles off uh, four straight title defenses, you know, sets a new heavyweight title defense record. I think that would go a long way. Uh, and, and I think, Again, like we say with DC, people people would always mention, yeah, he couldn't beat Cormier, but still, based on his own achievements, you know, we can still consider him. We can still make an argument for him being uh, the best heavyweight of all time. And again, this is if he goes another run of title defenses. So there's a lot on the line, but I'm not going to say that if he loses, oh well, he shouldn't have done it. It was it was it was stupid to take this immediate rematch. Um, No, I think I think it's 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 a good it's a good calculated risk, and I think the reward is good. And uh, and even if he fails, he he has time to make up for it.
1: Well, hey, last thing before we move on, uh, you kind of waffled. So I want to get your opinion. Oh. Was this the right call? If you're the UFC, would you have done Stipe versus DC, two, Or do you go in a different direction? Um, I, I'm going I, I I would go with the with
0: the Stipe, the Stipe rematch. I, I like your yeah. suggestions in Ghanu. I don't know if you I think you also mentioned Junior. I don't know if you mentioned Junior, maybe someone mentioned Junior, um, getting a you know getting another getting a fight a title fight again if he continues his uh, his winning streak, uh, but just based on sort of their short term thinking, again you said if I'm the UFC, if I'm the UFC, long term thinking isn't always what well, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's it's, it's not no, always right. their, their biggest strength, and they see it's a fight that we had before, it's a fight that main evented a pay per view before. I don't know how successful that was, but it did main event. It's a it's we get to put a nice two next to it. You know that's always good. The fans they like they like to see a two that makes it more important. It's bigger than the first matchup. Let's just let's just make this fight happen. It keeps this guy happy, Stepe, and uh, and and DC has DC has said he'll do it. So it's pretty much the I would say the easiest uh, thing they could have done after uh, the Lesnar fight fell through, and they just
1: they just snatched it. It was. I agree with that. It was certainly the easiest, uh, and that seems seems like the route they go often at this point. Uh, But hey, let's keep moving and let's transition over to Twitter. We're going to try to hit as many of your Twitter questions as possible. If you want to ask us a question, hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag the A-Side. And first one's coming from our good friend Dan Shapiro, who wants to know, is Douglas Lima the most underrated fighter in all of MMA? If not, who is then? And so this is, of course, Douglas Lima. We're talking about who is fighting Michael Page here this weekend in that welterweight grand prix semifinal that we talked about earlier uh douglas lima in my opinion he's probably a top five welterweight in the world not even probably he definitely is and nobody really nobody really talks about him nobody really knows about him because he has done it all under the bellator umbrella do you think he is the most underrated man in mma I was going to say
0: it's unfortunately might not be a Douglas Lima problem, more so a Bellator problem, as you've kind of alluded to already. Uh, he's up there. If we're going to, you know, throw our list out there, I would certainly say top five, top five most underrated. Um, but it's, you know, again, you know, Sean, I'm here. See if again, if this were your your previous hosts, I'm sure he'd have a, a fancy, you know, he'd have a big a name already prepared. But I'm here. I like to change sort of the the parameters of the questions. Right, that is that is what I'm here to do, because underrated is a is a strange thing. If you're a Bellator fan, I don't know if Lima is underrated. You you're very well aware of how good he is, and and you know he's maybe he's properly rated, um. But like you said, for the average person or, or most fans, maybe he's underrated. I'm not sure. It's it's such a subjective term, you know, underrated and and overrated, of course. So so throwing those around are always is always difficult to have a discussion. So uh, a lot of guys in Bellator could be considered underrated. I uh, like Fabian Edwards, who just had a huge the, the upkick KO. <laughs> this weekend which got overshadowed by the you know the raymond daniels insanity punch as uh, i'm referring it to um guys like emmanuel sanchez henry corrales uh nemkov who's coming at light heavyweight so just to throw some names out there guys who could certainly be considered underrated but maybe more so just because like you said where they're fighting so so maybe underrated slash overlooked uh, if if you want to say lima yeah i think it's hard to argue with that uh he's a two-time bellator welterweight champion and how often do you hear when people are talking about the great welterweights in the sport today how often do you hear his name being brought up um, among the best because he, he's certainly up there
1: yeah i i think he is that guy i think he is the most underrated i and i think there's probably a culmination or a, a contribution from a couple different uh angles for that right because one he has fought his, basically his whole career under Bellator. And he is not the most boisterous guy. He's not going to cut a promo. He's not going to you know, give you some crazy interview where he's firing shots left and right. And so if you're, if you're in Bellator, that seems like maybe one of the ways that you can get people to pay attention to you is by doing that. And he's not that guy. He, in fact, he's the opposite. He's going to be the nicest human being in the building no matter where he is, uh, which is great. But I don't know that that helps his maybe uh, the awareness of him in the general public. And also, too, I mean, it's just – when you look at the, the big names in Bellator, right, What who who really stands out? The Michael Chandlers, the Roy McDonald, Gegar Musasis, guys who have been uh, through it but also have just somehow broken through to the mainstream to some degree. And I think a large part of that has been because of, say, a push from Bellator, getting Michael Chandler on commercials and same thing with they, they did for King Mo. Uh, And just different opportunities to sort of do other things. Even Aaron Pico to a degree, probably I think is more known than Douglas Lima, just because of the way that they've handled him. And and I I don't know that that's a slight to Bellator or a slight to Douglas Lima or anything, but I think it's just probably a confluence of all of those events that have led Douglas Lima to be just so dramatically underrated in this welterweight division in the sport. Uh, But I think he has a chance here. I think he has a chance to open a lot of eyes as you said, he is already a two-time two champion in this division. This last one would be it, though. If you can, if he can do some terrible things to Michael Venom Page and really be the first person to do those terrible things to Michael Venom Page, and I think a lot of people have been wanting and waiting for uh, something like that, and then go on and do the same type of thing in a rematch against Rory McDonald after their first fight was ridiculous already, uh, I think he can come out of this tournament as maybe not a star for Bellator, but definitely someone that When they put him on the card, people outside of the hardcore base are going to look at him and be like, oh, man, Douglas Lima's fighting. I'm in. I'm ready for it. There is one more
0: name who is, I guess, at this point, Bellator adjacent and probably underrated for multiple reasons. The weight classes he's fought in, the uh, geographical reasons. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, Ryzen's Kyoji Horiguchi. Yes. Hardcore, I mean, I, of course, hardcore fans love him. A, anyone who, who's, you know, really dedicated to following the sport, definitely not underrated. Everyone knows how good he is. But because he fights in Japan, because he fought at flyweight for so long, um, you know, which is, again, uh, for whatever reason, a division that a lot of people just refuse to embrace, people don't realize how good he is. Um, his record is insane at this point. He's beaten, he just beat the Bell Bellator Bantamweight champion, uh, Darren Caldwell. So he's been doing damage at 125, doing damage at 135 over in Ryzen and his fights are exciting he finishes people uh he's he's again i know cuz he doesn't speak english people will not know he's he's got a good personality there's something about him there's a, there's a vibrancy and a, i think an unspoken charisma about him and i wish there was a way again i'm not blaming anyone for underrating him i wish there was a way a guy like him uh could break into the you know the mainstream of uh, whatever that means of mixed martial arts um cuz i think kyoji Horiguchi is fantastic and uh, and possibly even more underrated than douglas lima
1: yeah. Although he does seem to be a big star over in Japan. It seems like sure, I sure. really like him over there. He's getting a lot of opportunities and endorsements. Yeah. So, Hey, if, if he has found his niche over there, more power to him. Cause I mm-hmm. agree. I agree with you. He is one of the best, uh, but Hey, let's keep it moving. And this next question is coming from our good friend, loyal listener. Tragic Bronson wants to know about Jared Cannonier. Uh He writes Cannoneer looks to have found his home at 185, putting on an impressive performance against David branch in his middleweight debut. What do you guys expect from his matchup with Anderson Silva in Brazil? Does Anderson still have enough in the tank to take on the Killer Gorilla? So this is the co-main event here on Saturday, AK. Uh, Jared Cannoneer, Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva, who just fought Israel Adesanya, he is getting right back at it. Uh, and this is a big spot for the MMA Lab's own Jared Cannonier. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, he the nothing. He's Anderson Silva.
0: This guy's great. I know, like, I know just, just literally probably 20 minutes ago, I was saying this guy is well past his prime, but I think, I think even in the state he's in, I still, I still, maybe it's nostalgia, you know, maybe I need to let go of the past. I still see him as just being this incredible elite striker, Uh, you know, the Adesanya fight. Yeah. Adesanya clearly won. I'm not saying that that was a close friend or anything, but we saw the flashes. We saw the little flashes of, of how Anderson Silva is. And, uh, Cannoneer's really good. He he's his his striking is so solid. He's got power. Um but I almost feel like that he's the kind of guy that back in the day was exactly the kind of opponent that that Anderson Silva would would clown. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading this wrong. Maybe I am not noticing enough of what Cannoneer can do. But I, I do feel like I'm not saying Anderson Silva's going to clown him. I'm sensing an Anderson Silva win. I'm going for it. That's
1: that's people oh. down right now. Anderson Silva's going to win. Is going to beat Jared Cannonier. Oh my goodness. The yep. 44-year-old Anderson Silva are yep. going with him. Uh I man, maybe he will. I mean, you look at sort of what he has done over the last several years. I know he has struggled, but you haven't really seen Anderson Silva get blown out other than his fight against Daniel Cormier, which there are a lot of circumstances around that fight that you can excuse. Uh other than that, you really don't see him get blown out. I mean, he lost to It's a Bisping, he lost he will beat Brunson and then he lost to Adesanya. Those were all relatively competitive fights to some degree. I mean, I think it was tied with Izzy going into the final in the third and final round. Uh, it's a it's a actually really compelling fight. People were were crapping on this matchup when it was booked, but I actually really like this fight. I like the step up for Jared Cannoneer. Uh, like like this question said, I mean, he looked really good at middleweight. This is a guy who started at heavyweight in the UFC and he has just slowly worked his way down, uh, and he just put the wood on David Branch back in November, this could be a big, big, big moment for him. And we might have a new middleweight contender at the end of this night. Uh, I don't know how much longer, and if that happens, I don't know how much longer I want to see Anderson Silva continue to do this and just be uh, food for these young lions to, to feast on as they come up. But I think it will just be really cool to see Anderson in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, like the old days, just doing it one last time. he's 44
0: years young sean all right listen he's a he's a youthful uh 44 years old i mean honestly i mean literally if you look at him you know he's just he's been blessed with the smooth skin you probably wouldn't You if i told you he was 34 you'd probably (laughs) believe um but also look uh you know to borrow some uh, pro wrestling parlance which i know i know the a-side uh viewers love if i had the book i mean there's no way i book jared cannonier and anderson silva in brazil if i think that uh there's a chance that Anderson's going to get embarrassed. Like, may, may, I I don't think Cannonier is going to, like we said, blow him out or or knock him out or finish him. So that's fine. You know, may, maybe he still wins and and the crowd is you know just happy to see Anderson Silva put in work for 15 minutes. But I think that uh, the matchmakers know what they're doing here. And sure enough, it's 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 going to be a showcase, uh, showcase. It's a weird thing to say a showcase fight for a guy this far in his career, but a showcase fight for Anderson Silva. Uh, yeah, I think I think is going to be a good a good a good um, What's the word I'm looking for? A good uh, soldier, good soldier. Do the do the job here, as it were. Uh take the three second tan. Uh to again another pro wrestling term. So wow. Yeah, yeah that's right. Wow. That's right. It ain't over. Mark's gone. The pro wrestling talk isn't gone. It's not, it might even increase if, if you have me on again. All right. That's
1: that's how it is. The pro wrestling talk. Hey, and the Anderson Silva love. You're telling me 43-year-old <laughs> yeah. Anderson Silva is coming into a showcase fight against the young yeah. killer. That's right. That's that is a hot take, my friend. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going all the way with it. Hey, well, we will see soon enough. Uh, In the meantime, let's keep it going. And this next one's coming from Lucas Vega, who wants to know about Brian Ortega. He says, with Brian Ortega saying he's ready to fight again, who do you think he should face in his first fight back? Uh, So this is an interesting one. Brian Ortega is now said, you know, all my broken bones are now healed and I'm ready to go. He is still the number two man in this featherweight division. Uh, Where do you see, considering what we're getting with Volkanovski and Aldo this weekend, what do you feel like is the right matchup for him? Okay, so he's ready to go now. I say, I wish I'd put a little more thought in this one. I think
0: he's ready to go. Part of me, my first thing, first thing that came to my mind was, wouldn't it be interesting if he fought the Moicano Zombie winner? They're going to fight at uh, Greenville, upcoming UFL Greenville show. I think it's, I think it's a fight Moicano would want uh for sure. A zombie will fight anyone, so that's intriguing. Well, it would
1: be a rematch for Mar- yes. Yeah,
0: I think he would want that one back. Um, so I, that's the first thing that jumped in my mind. I don't think, pardon me, I don't think if Volkanovski beats Aldo that he'd be willing to fight Ortega. I'm not even sure. Again, I'm not sure. That it would be a cool fight to do someday in the future. Maybe when, you know, one of them is the world champion or something. It's a it's a title fight. So the other, this guy may seem beneath him at this point. And also we can't seem to find out where this guy is. Maybe something like a Yair Rodriguez. Ooh, I like that don't know if we're at the point where we need to say that Ortega needs a a tune-up fight because again he hasn't been gone that long uh but he is coming off a pretty pretty rough loss so a fight against a year who's still a dangerous opponent but one against whom Ortega would certainly be favored uh would be interesting i think
1: i like that i like that a lot and i don't know that it's necessarily a tune-up fight that he needs but he definitely does need a rebound fight uh because that was a a bad loss to max and it feels like he he's probably a decent distance away from getting a rematch Uh, I like the EI year fight. To me, I think depending on what happens this weekend, say Volkanovski wins, I wouldn't mind the Frankie Edgar rematch because then that's kind of Frankie Edgar would probably need to fight again if he wanted to get in that title conversation. I wouldn't mind that Frankie Edgar rematch. Give him more notice this time. Last time was on short notice. Uh, Or what do you think of Zabit? That would be the one test for Zabit before he gets thrown to the Wolves at the top of the division. I would love that. I just know... That's probably a situation where the
0: UFC is trying to preserve two bankable, um, got, pardon me, two bankable guys who are still kind of on the rise. I know Ortega just had his title shot, but I still view him as being on an upwards, uh, trending upwards. And Zabit, obviously, is Zabit looks like a, a, an absolute world beater and a future contender himself. So, I mean, yeah, if they're willing to again go to sort of to stick with that old adage of look, UFC, we make the best fight the best. We don't predict, we don't protect anybody that would that would probably be uh the number one fight to make but uh as it is like i said i think they'll go a little more mid-range something like a year or again may- maybe that the, we get a Moicano rematch or ortega zombie i don't know if i want to see him fight edgar again if only because i'm a fan of edgar and seeing him get his head just punched right off of his shoulders last time was absolutely
1: mortifying <laughs> <laughs> well hey let's keep i want to keep talking about this featherweight division so this next one's coming from stashed he just asked us on twitter uh, who do you see being the featherweight champion by the end of 2019? Max, Aldo, Ortega, Zabit. Great chat. So thank you for that, Zash. We appreciate you watching. Uh So bouncing off of our featherweight conversation, is Max still the champion by the end of 2019 at this point, or do you see it being someone else, a Jose Aldo maybe, or a Brian Ortega, or like we were just saying, a Zabit, Magomed, Sharipov?
0: My head is – I don't know how you guys do this every week, Sean. My head is hurting just – calculating these possible you saw infinity war i'm not talking about endgame don't worry no endgame spoilers people you saw infinity war right of course yeah you know at the end when when dr strange is calculating oh not in the end somewhere in the middle dr strange is using the the time gem and he's trying to think of all i feel like that right now I, I feel like my body is spazzing out uh trying to you guys you guys i gotta give you credit this is a, this is a hard gig um <laughs> I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm stalling by the way i'm stalling clearly uh no no i you know if i were betting man I think I think Max is nearly unbeatable at 145. Uh, even let's you know try and map things out. Let's say Volkanovski beats Aldo. Volkanovski gets a, t- a well-deserved title shot. Um, you know, from what I've seen from Volkanovski, he's great. I just think I think Max is still on that next level. Uh, the fight with Poirier was really good, right? I know I know I know he lost, but the fight with Poirier was really good. You know, we saw we saw we saw all the skills he has um his insane toughness his insane shin it's just really tough to overcome that so yeah if we see like a volkanovsky uh title defense and then gosh i don't know i don't know if he'd even be able to register two title defenses but if he did i can't see you know may- maybe you get like you said uh edgar ortega and edgar would beat him of course because Edgar he is the best and then he would finally get that that shot with uh Holloway that he was supposed to get before you know uh, the injury happened back back uh, last year uh I still think Holloway would beat him as well so I'll play it safe I think Holloway will be your champion by the end of the year though again it might be off of just like one title defense so
1: this one's hard for me because I wonder what that trip to 155 did for Max because hmm. a Throws your body off a little bit just by doing that. You got to then for Max is always a hard cut for him to go back to 145 and to now have May the 155 do that whole experience and then come back down. I think that's going to be a little difficult. Uh, Dustin even told me some something similar in the lead up to that fight where once you make that move, it's hard to come back. Um, maybe Max didn't commit to it as hard and really get his body as ready for 55 as as you know someone that would have that's making a permanent move. But still, you never know. Uh, also took a lot of damage in that fight man he took a lot of damage in that fight and he is someone who has been in war after war after war whether it was aldo the two fights against aldo brian ortega he is just someone who's taken a lot of damage uh and i know he is still young but he is old when it comes to fight years and i wonder how much longer he'll be able to keep this at this immensely high level that he is at without some level of a step down uh so i i I could see it being maxed by the end of the year, but I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think it might be someone new. And in that case, I think we're either getting an Alexander Volkanovsky champion or Mr. Zabit Magomed Shripov. I think one of those two guys has a chance to do it by the end of the year. Uh, and I think both are probably just one fight away from getting the opportunity. Sean, I'm I'm experiencing some deja vu here because I, <laughs> yes. recall, I
0: recall when we worked together in Toronto covering, covering the uh, Holloway-Ortega fight, Yes. We both picked, uh, we both picked Ortega to beat him, and I think yes. we, I think I, I, again, I recall we were talking about, oh, you know, uh, the the dabbling at 155, which he tried to do before the Omega the Omega Meta fight, and obviously that could that didn't happen. You know, he wasn't allowed to. We thought, you know, that messed with him, and yeah, how much damage has he taken? I just feel like we've had this discussion before. The, the difference is, I feel like I've learned, and now I will, I won't doubt him at 145 again. You continue to step over the line. You're a habitual line stepper, and. <laughs> Yeah. And that's fine. Like that's again, that's why you know, you you're the A-side guy and I'm just the guest, but I'm saying I learned my lesson until someone beats him. I'm not saying nothing bad about Max. Or Max, if you're out there, I was wrong before. You're going to I think you're going to be the champ for again, at least a couple more fights. I can't speak for Sean. Sean's on his own, all right? He whatever. Just you you can you can
1: address your grievances to him. In fairness, I also picked Dustin over Max. So I, this just seems to be a pattern for oh, me. I don't know why. You were right and you were right that time. <laughs> uh yeah, but I, I guess maybe a trend that I didn't even realize. Uh so hey, we'll have to see love you, Max, still. Uh let's see. Let's keep take a few more from Twitter and then we'll get to the promo and then get out of here. Uh so this one next one's coming from Ryan Webb, who wants to know: have you heard anything when Yair Rodriguez could potentially schedule a fight soon? Um, I don't know that I've heard anything specific, but I know he is healthy now and he is now starting to look at something so i think something could be on the schedule soon uh but i don't have anything concrete on that yet uh anything for you okay
0: like i said look i've got my ear to the streets uh but i got my ear to the streets up here in canada so yeah we don't get a lot of yair news up here unfortunately i'd like to say i have a scoop for you i don't but hey you know there's a reason i mentioned before i i, I have seen uh people commenting but not not actual scoops but yeah definitely there seems to be a, a swell of People wondering when Yair will fight again, and I think I'm I'm going to say like that's usually a good sign that uh, hopefully we will see this person soon. You know, again, we don't know what the UFC is planning. We don't know if there's a reason uh, Yair, you know, hasn't uh, hasn't booked. Maybe it's a choice of opponents. Maybe it's a money thing. He's had, you know, we've had uh, some problems with Yair in the UFC regarding contracts before, so it could have something to do with that. But really, uh, sorry, just speculating right now. But if I were to bet that he would be fighting in the next, like, three months, yeah, I imagine I imagine we will see a year out with a fight books, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, hey, this next one's coming from Laz Nikolovsky on Twitter who wants to know, Hey, guys, uh, after watching the fight between Iaquinta uh, and Cerrone, and then I watched the Canelo fight, I must say it is shocking the amount of money discrepancy there is between the two. I would appreciate your thoughts. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you're not wrong uh, Laz, the, 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 I mean, but this is also nothing new. And this is something we have talked about ad nauseum, I guess for forever, right. Is the discrepancy between the, the, the two sports. Uh, I, I know Donald Cerrone probably made six figures for this fight. I don't know the exact number, but I think it was around six figures. Uh, and, and Canelo made, I think 25, 35 million, something like that. Uh, but that being said, I think there is, I would hazard a comparison, a direct comparison between the two, a little bit, because Canelo is basically the most popular boxer in the entire world right now. Uh, he's probably the biggest draw in boxing in the entire sport right now. So I think that's a little hard to compare the two. But this is also nothing new, and you would love to see a guy like a Donald Cerrone make more money uh, for having for everything he has put into this and all of the years he has put into this. But I don't know that we're getting there anytime soon. I mean, we just had this conversation about 2:36. And the numbers for 236 and Izzy and Kelvin Gaslam and all these guys maybe not making as much money for the years they took off their own life uh, as they should. But this is the sport that we live in. I don't know that
0: anything's changing. Yeah, and Cerrone, such a great company, man. You know, and one of the one of the big things coming out of his fight was that they let him wear this custom patch on the inside of his shorts. You know, it's sort of a uh, from his old Muay Thai shorts, a dedication to that, a dedication to his grandmother, and and it was a great moment scene. It was great, and he was saying, "This is such a sh- sign that finally, you know, the UFC. I really feel like after fighting for this company like a hundred times, that they really appreciate me." But I'll tell you something: if you, if uh, if Canelo, you know, whichever organization he was fighting for, you know, if they told him, "Oh, you know, we're only going to pay you." something like just to show how much we appreciate you he he tell them to show that patch right up their butts all right so so it was I, i'm not saying i think like i said it was a cool moment but it does show you the different mindset that these guys have and, and again uh how much fighters will it's a broken record need to if not unionize align in some way maybe i'm just being you know it's semantics here but align in some way talk to each other ask questions uh figure out a way to you know gain some negotiating power whatever that is union uh ali act some combination of, of those things uh because yeah it is it is silly when you see even though cerrone is not you know uh at the level of in of fame in mixed martial arts that canelo is in boxing to be for for Canelo to be making exponentially more money and an insane amount more. It does seem a a little unfair, but uh, what is fair in combat
1: sports? Uh, Nothing really. Yeah. Sign those Project spearhead cards, y'all. Then last one, let's do this last one. This one's coming from our good friend strike MX who writes with the UFC's new pay-per-view deal. Do you think the the days of guys like Connor jumping the line to a title shot are effectively over? For example, do you think it's possible he jumps Tony for the winner of Habib versus Dustin? Uh, So we talked about this UFC deal, ESPN deal a lot on today's show. So I won't rehash a lot of that. But just to answer the question, do you think the days of guys like Conor jumping the line because they would make more money uh, or they, I guess they'd bring more buys to the show? Uh, I don't know that that's over because Brock Lesnar would have been able to fight Daniel Cormier had he agreed to terms. The UFC was ready to do that. And the UFC will let Conor probably fight almost anybody that he wants if he wants to come back. Uh, so I, I could very much see it possible that he jumps Tony Ferguson in the line for the winner of Habib versus Dustin because he is Conor McGregor, and the UFC will bend over backwards to get another Conor McGregor fight, uh, understandably to some degree, considering that his last fight was the highest selling fight of all time. Uh, but I don't. So yeah, I don't think those days are over. Uh, maybe they have been curbed and curtailed a little bit, though. What do you think, AK?
0: No, definitely not over. Again, I, I, you know, almost to bring it back full circle to something we talked about at the beginning of the show, we won't know how much influence these fighters have on buys, really, until 239, when you have a big star like John Jones. Then we'll really see, and also all the other uh, big names on that card. Then we'll really see how much these guys can influence buys, because they still matter. They they have to still matter to, to someone. There's money there, anywhere there's money it's some, some, you know, it's, it's a factor for somebody. So, uh, yeah, guys at like McGregor, when, once they're able to figure out, okay, well, well, what's a, you know, yeah, what is a large amount of buys, uh, who is being affected by it? Who do I need to talk to? Uh, whose ear do I need to get into to tell them, look, I can make you more buys, more money, uh, that will lead to him having similar influences as he's, as he's had over the last, you know, a couple of years. So no, when it comes to big draws and, and powerful people in the industry, uh, like McGregor, like Lesnar, uh, they'll always gonna have, find some way to have leverage. Will it be the same kind of leverage they had before? No, but as as far as jumping the line, I mean, they, they don't these guys don't even see the line. You know, they, forget jumping the line. They don't see the line. You know, they they're they're their own line. Yeah, they're they're their own line. They're their own rankings. Um, it, it, those things just don't matter uh, to these guys. And, and uh, I don't think the ESPN Plus deal um, is gonna affect that that much.
1: They're their own line. Well put. I think that's a really uh, articulate way to put that, actually, because you're right. You're, you're not wrong, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, well, hey, man, this has been your first A-Side Live Chat podcast. I think you killed it. Uh, thank you for joining us. Let's go ahead and do the promo where we talk about something very important to us on the way out of here. Uh, and I will go first. And for me, my promo, you had mentioned earlier in this show that to you, MMA is fun. MMA should be fun. Uh, that you look on the bright side of all of this, that, we, yeah, sure, there's a lot of negativity, but why dwell on it? I agree with you. That is something That is something I say often, uh, that I'd like to be positive. Everyone else wants to be negative. I like to be positive. And so for me, I want to look at a, a, something crazy that happened this past weekend and a trend that we have seen develop so far in 2019. Uh, by now, all of you have seen Raymond Daniels, kickboxer extraordinaire, his outrageous 720 knockout of Wilker Barros at Bellator. Uh, I think believe it was 220 uh, this past weekend. One of the gnarliest knockouts you will ever see. Didn't really make any sense. Did a 720 spin and then knocked him out with a right hand, uh, and that was that. It was very wild. Uh, and I just want to say how cool it is and how how lucky we are that we have gotten such a strong strong start for 2019 for all of these blank of the year contenders. Uh, all of these candidates for knockout of the year, fight of the year. You go on down the line, the first, you the, by the end of the first half of this year, you could have a full list uh, of the best fights and, and knockouts of the year, and it would rival a lot of years. I mean, just fight, just knockouts. You go Raymond Daniels, Anthony Pettis over Wonderboy, Jorge Masvidal with Darren Till, Johnny Walker's twosome that he did. Fights, you got Luke versus Barbarina, Izzy, Calvin Gastelum, Dustin versus Max. There has just been ridiculous action to start out 2019. And I love it. I cannot wait for more. I think it is very cool to see so far. And so kudos to you, Raymond Daniels, for keeping the trend going. 2019 is a very violent year, and I am here for it, Alexander. Sean, I love the positivity. Like I said, MMA should be fun.
0: And just kind of transitioning off the Bell Tour, Birmingham thing, what would you know? What would my first appearance be in the show if I didn't break the rules and sneak in an answer to one question that we that we kind of overlooked? I saw it earlier. I'll be very quick. Someone asked: Was Brent Primus's, uh Gogo Plata win uh, at Bellator Birmingham was that like the only the other you know the only other Gogo Plata finish besides the infamous Nick Diaz uh, uh, Takanori Gomi Gogo Plata finish, which was overturned because because uh, you know the he's smoking too much of the wacky tobacco in Japan. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, there have been several, I'm sure. Uh, and as a, as a point of trivia, former uh, Ultimate Fighter 2 heavyweight finalist Brad Imes once recorded back to back Gogo Plata finishes. So I'm nearly certain he's the only MMA fighter to ever do that. So, no, it's not the only one. In fact, someone did it twice in a row. Brad Imes, wherever you are, hats off to you. That's fantastic. And oh my God. Uh, what do you, how do you got to feel if you're that second guy? <laughs> <laughs> how did you not see it coming <laughs> yeah
1: right like what are you doing guy
0: so I don't know if those are, I, I was I was gonna plug if I don't know if those are available online I'm sure one of them probably on YouTube you can look up Brad Irons, go go I'm sure it's out there somewhere uh and the other thing I'll just say you know uh I've got an interview with with uh Chris the action man Curtis which I want to plug which will probably be up tomorrow because he's fighting at the season premiere of uh the PFL their 2019 season which starts tomorrow I always encourage everyone to watch uh as much mma as possible even though which sounds a little crazy considering how much there is but you know i really just mean branch out pfl one uh so many promotions that put shows for free on youtube especially internationally check them out you know even if it's just uh, checking out highlights checking out fights checking out our feature with jed machu and i miss fists on mma um but there's so much if you're tired of, of like oh i don't want to get espn plus i don't want to get to zone you know i don't want to pay for all these streaming services there's a lot of great free options out there and you never know which one will make you uh, fall in love with the sport again if uh, if you feel like you've become jaded. So MMA is supposed to be fun and there's a lot of it out there. And uh, man, thanks for letting me be on the A-side.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well said. Good message to end that on. Uh, MMA should be fun. I agree with you. It always should be fun. and We got a fun weekend ahead of us. And this has been another episode of the A-side live chat podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate you so much. And thank you. Alexander K. Lee, for, for making your debut on the show. We are happy to have you. I'd say you killed it. I appreciate you, man. Uh, good work last week in Ottawa. Uh, and, hey, the fun does not stop here. It's going to be a long week in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We got our own Guillerme Cruz down there on the ground. Should start having stuff from that come from media day, open workouts, et cetera, uh, starting today. So that's going to be fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, replay of the show, going up on all, all the usual spots later today. Uh, In the meantime, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope you enjoy your fights. We love you. My name is Sean Oshadi. That man is Alexander K. Lee. You have anything you want to give the people on the way out? Uh, nothing but peace and love. Peace and love to all the fans, all the
0: readers out there. Uh, we we always appreciate the support, of course. MMA fighting, and uh, I've also I've, I feel comfortable speaking for all the fighters and saying that uh, they appreciate the support as well. So, um, hey, man, if you see me again, hopefully I'll be up again on the show, and we can spread more love and positivity. Sean, uh, it's
1: it's been a great time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, hey, this has been the A Side Live Chat Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, in the meantime, love you. See you. A Side.